Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Tim Fitzpatrick, who's the president of Rialto Marketing. It's a company that helps businesses simplify their marketing so they can actually grow with less stress. You know how stressful marketing can be and how complicated it can be, but really marketing shouldn't be difficult. All you need is the right plan, and we're going to be talking about it today in this episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm excited for today's messaging because, or excuse me, today's message. We're going to be talking a little bit about messaging today. We're going to talk a little bit about marketing today. I'm sitting now with Tim Fitzpatrick. He's the president and founder of Rialto Marketing, and I love his story. We're going to be talking about how this business came to be, but more importantly, this marketing world is so confusing. It's so complex. Tim is going to give you some steps and some things to think about to really simplify it so you can get the right message to the right people. Tim, so excited to have you here today. Blake, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here as well. So so we were, we were just joking about, uh, I don't know when this episode will go live, but right now we're at the start of 2021 um, and it's kind of just more of the same. Nothing's really, <laughs> a lot of people were like, yes, 2021, let's go. And it's like, oh, it still feels like 2020. Yeah, same, same old, same old, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know, if you ask me, um, based on what I'm seeing, we're going to be dealing with this for a while, even with the vaccine, it's still going to take, it's going to take quite some time to get through. And really, it depends on how many people actually get vaccinated, right? Yeah, well, so. it, it's, it's kind of like, I feel bad for my wife, because she's like the ultimate FOMO person. So she like wants to be <laughs> out and about and like hanging out and like talking to people. And um, she's like, Oh, no, how much longer can I do this? But you think about it, we were reading a, uh, we were reading a book the other night and it was a biography of someone who it was like 1862 or something like that. And he was living in Britain during a, a cholera outbreak. It was just coincidence of what they were dealing with. So people were dying, like thousands of people. And they were talking about everyone being shuttered into their homes. They couldn't go out. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is really, really, um, kind of crazy, like thinking about the comparisons, but then she was like, what do they do without Netflix? You know, it's like, what it's like, so, I mean, and I don't want to diminish how hard things are right now for people, but they're not quite as hard, I guess, as they could be. So, yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up because my wife and I were talking about this a week or so ago and yes, this has been really hard and it's been really hard for some people specifically, but hard for all of us in general. But man, it could be so much worse. You know, like mm-hmm. I said to I said to my wife, I was like, what would this have been like in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 70s or the 60s when our forms of communication were were TV and you know, the phone? I don't I mean, there are so many more businesses that would have been out of business mm-hmm. in that time 
with the technology that we have, it's allowed so many businesses to continue to operate, continue to do what they need to do. Uh, you know, 30 years ago, we would not have had that. And I think it would have been a lot worse. Well, let me ask you this, because there's a little bit of a, uh, we're having a little bit of a silver lining conversation and it feels like, um, you know, really just kind of jumping right in. It feels like in the entrepreneurship world, you know, I run a business, you run a business, we have people listening to the podcast who are running their own business, or maybe they're thinking about running a business. It feels like there is quite a bit of, um, of a necessity around focusing on that silver lining because, you know, the business doesn't just it doesn't just explode overnight. It doesn't just, for the most part, at least. I know some people like to say, you know, they, they like to tell that sort of tail end version of their story. Yeah. But for many of us, it doesn't grow very quickly. Um, and it feels like a lot of times we're having to keep thinking about that silver line. Okay, I, I at least got one more customer this week. I at least got, you know, one more sale. Um, talk to me a little bit about your perspective when it comes to positivity, silver lining, all that stuff when it comes to running your business. Yeah. I, so for me, I, one of the things that I have always focused on is change and being able to accept it and adapt to it, you know, because we can, we can fight change or we can accept it. And if we fight it, it's just, it's going to be a losing battle. You know, I, I can't remember who said the quote, but the only constant in life is change. Mm. You know, so as an entrepreneur, I think accepting change and figuring out how you can use it to continue to thrive is super, super important. Um, you know, from a mindset perspective, too, it's just I, one of the things that I didn't do well early on was focus on the small wins. You know, I was so focused on the larger, you know, three-year, five-year goal and what I need to do to get there. Um, early on, I didn't really take the time to celebrate those small wins. But if you take the time to celebrate your wins, no matter how small they are, those will help keep you motivated. And it will help you in your mind. It'll get you to the place where you're like, yes, I am making progress. Because sometimes it does feel like you're not making progress. You're like, oh my God, I just did all this work. I've been doing this for the last six months. Have I really made any progress? Well, if you focus on the small wins, you can look back and go, yeah, actually I did. You know, maybe it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be, but man, I got these three, four, five things accomplished. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm on the right track. Well, it feels like we live in a, it's a bit of a challenging culture in the sense of we're, we're inundated with social media stories. And especially if you're in any number of entrepreneurship groups or business groups, um, you have people who are constantly um, kind of posturing their success story. Yes. You know, it's, 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 and so I, I empathize with entrepreneurs and business founders who it's hard to celebrate those small wins when you're seeing people, they're peppering the big story, the big sale. Uh, some of them are being, um, they're trying to be casual with, like, for example, I had someone who they had posted a question about like developing a customer pipeline and someone responded and said, it's not hard. You just sell to people. It's easy. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's not that easy. It's not like, well, just sell more, you know, just get out and find more customers. I mean, if it was that easy, we'd all just do it. Right. And so yes. talk to me a little bit about like, how, how can someone keep that right perspective, even when there's so much comparison happening? Yes. Okay. So one of, one of the rules that I always talk to my kids about is never compare yourself to other people. It's a losing battle. 
right? You're never going to be happy if you're always comparing yourself to other people. But the other thing that I think is really important to keep in mind, especially with social media, social media is a highlight reel. It is not reality, you know? And, and frankly, it's a very, I look at social media as being a producer, not a consumer. I want to produce content and put it out there, but I am not a heavy consumer of social media content because it is a highlight reel. It's not reality in a lot of cases. When you see people that are having success, it's so easy to think, oh my God, they just, they had overnight success. What you don't mm-hmm. see is the 10 years they've been busting their butt mm-hmm. and they finally, they finally got their break. It finally happened. You know, it's, yeah, are there some people that have overnight success? Uh, yeah, maybe, but they're so few and far between. Most people, it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm. You see the success as the tip of the iceberg, but what you don't see is all the work below the water line that they've been doing mm. for years. Well, I remember so, I, I, I sat down with somebody. It was um, around the six-month mark in my business, and it, it was just like what we're talking about. I just had not seen really this explosive. In fact, when I, the first week I started my business, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like how quickly do I need to hire someone? I'm going to have so many customers. And so like day one of the business, <laughs> day one of the business, I had hired a service that would book calls for me. And literally like that Monday morning, I got up ready to get on the phone and I got an email that said, you have no call scheduled this week. Like, That's really weird. Uh, I was like, okay. So I got out and started talking to people. And the next week it was the same thing. It was like, you have no calls. And I was like, what, uh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. But so I remember sitting down at the six month mark with a guy who had been, uh, the CFO in a fortune 500 company that, that is based near us. And I basically was like, what am I doing wrong? And he was like, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. This stuff just, this stuff just takes time. And he was talking about how he had just bought an accounting firm and that they hadn't become profitable until year three. And he was like, it just, it just takes time to make that happen. Yeah. But a lot of times I think our patience for that, it's hard to have the patience we need to actually, and really the, frankly, the emotional positivity to last us long enough to actually see those results. I think sometimes we're, we're, it's good to be positive, but we're overly positive about how quickly we can make things happen. Um, you know, and so I don't know, I would tell anybody that's thinking about starting a business, you know, you need to you need to have as long a runway as you possibly can. Um, you know, if you think it's going to take six months, I would double <laughs> or triple that. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, yes, you may you may have some some quick wins and that's great. But, you know, starting a business is no different than marketing. It takes time. You have to invest in it consistently. You know, it's it's like a flywheel. You feed the flywheel, it starts to gain momentum. And as, it, as long as you continue to feed it, once it has that momentum, it'll keep going. But if you stop, it's not a light switch. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take you that much longer to get things going. So you just gotta be consistent. You gotta take those actions that you know you need to take to start making progress and just measure results and see what's working, what's not. And then make course corrections along the way. I can't, you know, I read a book. I'm trying to remember. I think it was um, The Slight Edge. And I can't remember who wrote it. Um, but he talked in there about, you know, the, the plan that you start with is not the plan that you're going to end with. You know, so many people are so worried about, oh, my God, I've got to have a plan of how I'm going to hit my five-year goal. Man, there's so much stuff that can happen between now and five years that's beyond your control. 
Have a general idea of where you want to go and what you want to accomplish, but don't get stuck in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Focus on what do I need to do today? What's the next measurable step I need to take to, to work towards that five-year vision that I have? Mm-hmm. But don't waste your time putting together some five, 10 year vision of all these things that I want to do because you have no idea. A pandemic hits and, you know, everything went sideways. You just wasted a bunch of time. Mm-hmm. It feels like we spend a lot of time in that, um, not just the planning phase of things, but as we think about um, what we want to see happen for our business, there's a lot of like, like I remember there was someone who she was showing me her business plan that she had put together and it was 40 pages. And I was like, oh, wow, this geez. is really. This is really long. <laughs> and it was like every element of the business, like how we're going to use technology in the business. How and it's not even a tech company. It was like a physical product company, but like how are we going to use technology in the business? How are we going to do this? And I remember thinking like, have you ever thought about just, you know, simplifying it down and just getting out there and starting to grow this thing? But a lot of times just it feels start- like we, we, we got to just get all these ducks in a row, I guess that, you know, and then a pandemic hits and things change. Yeah. I mean, I, somebody once told me that the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies started and they didn't even have a business plan. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we, everybody talks about a business plan. And I, when it comes to, every, honestly, at this point, everything in my life, I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, I use a two-page strategic plan. That's my mm-hmm. driver for my business. I love that. You know, with marketing, we use a 90-day marketing plan. It's depending on how much you write, it's it's one to two pages. Yeah. You know, you got to keep things simple because those 40-page business plans or 40-page marketing plans, they go into a desk drawer and you never look at them because they're too complicated. Oh yeah. Well, and it's it's you don't have the mental capacity and the like the mental attention to follow 40 pages of strategy. I love your comment on the strat plan. I had somebody who showed me their strat plan and it literally was one page. And I thought, and he was uh, not, not embarrassed, but it was kind of like, you know, uh, you know, I hope this is enough. And I was like, you're going to get done everything on here because you, you, you can see it, you can touch it, you know what it is. It's not a 200 page document. Um, It feels like the power of simplicity can really develop some real gains for your business. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, because you know, you're, you're coming up to the decade mark for your business. So we're, we've been talking about how it takes longer, how it can uh, be a longer effort than maybe you think. I'd love to hear a little bit about Rialto Marketing and a little bit of the origin story, kind of what this journey has been like. Uh, and then maybe we can transition into kind of what you're doing now. But talk to us a little bit about your origin story. Yeah, sure. So I, you know, I was not one of those entrepreneurs who was, you know, selling baseball cards when I was 10 and had a lemonade stand. I just, that wasn't on it's my funny how Everyone has that story. They're like, oh yeah, I was, a uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to a guy who exact same thing. I mean, he had like five different ventures as he called it. And I was like, dude, you were 12. Like what in the world? Yeah. I, I, I played man, video games I, and watched The only movies. thing I cared like, about when I was a kid was getting out and riding my bike and hanging out with my friends, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I was not one of those entrepreneurs. Um, and when I graduated from college, I still, I had no idea what I was, was going to do. You know, I was a math major. Um, you know, I, looking back on, it, I could have majored in business, but you know, I was like, man, I like math. It's used in all kinds of different disciplines. I could, there's all kinds of things I could do with this. So I graduated. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. My dad had been an entrepreneur and he had, um, he had a couple different businesses. And one of the businesses that he had started was a wholesale distribution company. And he'd started it with a partner a couple years before I graduated. And I said, hey, look, um, they had no full-time employees at that point. It was, it was related to his other business, so it was easy to, to utilize the same staff. 
right, for both companies. And I said, look, you have no full-time employees. I know you need some help. Let me, why don't I help you for the summer? You know, it'll give me a chance to kind of figure out what I want to do. And, you know, and then we can go from there. Well, you know, that was all she wrote. I mean, I jumped into it. I loved it. We were selling consumer electronics. So we were selling home theater systems and speakers and distributed what, audio. What did you love about it? What was uh, that? I just loved it. They were like toys, you know? It's like yeah, big boy okay. toys. Um, <laughs> and I loved, I was doing everything because I was the only person. So I was doing accounts payable. I was doing accounts receivable. I was doing collections. I was doing sales. I was shipping. I mean, every, all of the aspects of running that business day to day, I was handling. I loved talking to the clients, you know, and I just got hooked. And at the end of the three months, I was like, I, if, if you'll have me, I don't want to go anywhere. I love this. And he said, great. I, I love having you help. It's, it's awesome. So let's keep doing this. And, you know, I did that. I managed that company day to day. I became a partner in it. You know, my dad had his other business. He was involved from a strategic standpoint, but day to day, I was managing that business. And um, we grew about 60% a year. And, and after 10 years, we sold it. And then I worked for that company for another three years. Um, after that, I transitioned. I got into real estate. I was always interested in residential real estate. I said, hey, you know, I've always wanted to invest in real estate. Let's, I'll learn residential real estate. This is a great way to get into it. Became a realtor. And man, I went from like up here to freaking down here. I mean, it was, oh my God, it was awful. Um, it Whoa. was not my thing. Okay. Um, what I will tell you, what I took away from that was, man, I put myself outside of my comfort zone every single day. What, what was it about it that, that just didn't ping? You know, I just, I didn't, I went from being in a business where the minute I told somebody what I did, they were like, really? Tell me more about that. That sounds cool. When you're a realtor, nobody says, oh, tell me more about that. That's cool. Yeah. They're like, what the hell are you going to, yeah. how are you going to try to sell me right now? You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> um, it was just, it was so different. And I was so used to being in the business to business space rather than business to consumer. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I just did not enjoy it. And I got to a point where I'd wake up every morning and I was like, oh my God, I got to do this again. I don't want to do this. You know, I just read a, I was just reading a newsletter from a guy and he talked about the Sunday effect where, oh you know, yeah. Sunday night, if you're, yeah. if you're stressed about going to work and what you have to do Monday morning, you need to do something different. And that's exactly what I was experiencing. I'm just waking up and I'm like, oh, and what's the point? If you're going to own your own business, you should enjoy what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it should not feel like a grind, to, at least to, in my point of view. And so when I got to that point, I said, man, I need to do something different. And at the time, you know, I started to think about what I loved about being in distribution. You know, it was dynamic. It was changing all the time. I was learning new things every day. You know, I loved working with our, our customers, helping them grow their business. Because as their businesses grew, ours just naturally grew as a result of that. And... So I started to think about, you know, some of the skill sets I had picked up and, you know, at the time, mobile applications were becoming really hot. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start a marketing company and we're going to focus on mobile applications. So that's what I did. That when I first started Rialto Marketing, that's what we were doing. We were solely focused on mobile applications. We were selling to some small businesses, but most of our business was in the K-12 education space. 
Hmm. You know, so these schools were using it as a communication tool with their with their with their stakeholders, with their parents. You know, do I need to find out what the what's on the lunch menu or what's coming up on the calendar? You try to access a school website on your mobile phone, it's a disaster. Yeah. So, you know, I started there. Well, about two to three years in, Apple made some changes with their publishing guidelines. And people like me, that I wasn't developing apps from the ground up. I was using a publishing platform. So think of, you know, a Squarespace or a Wix on the website side of things for apps. Well, Apple said, we don't like these platforms. We're not going to publish these apps anymore. So all of these app building platforms overnight mm. literally could not publish apps. And I said, oh, my God, this, um, this is really pointing to a huge vulnerability in this business model that I'm in right now. My, my business is heavily dependent on the policies of Apple and Google. Right? It's no different than these e-commerce sellers that, are, that 90% of their business is from Amazon. I don't know about you, that is not a place I want to be. And so when that happened, I, I took a step back and I said, okay, I need to shift. I need to pivot this business because long term, this is not a good direction. And that's when I pivoted and said, look, I'm going to focus on small businesses, you know, we've honed that down. Most of our clients now are service-based businesses, you know, so coaches, consultants, professional service providers, you know, home service businesses, those types of folks. But I said, we need to, we need to offer basically outsourced marketing, help them wherever they're at and help them push through those roadblocks and get to where they want to be. And so that's, you know, that's kind of where, where we are today and, and what we're doing. But uh, what I started with is not anywhere close to where I am today. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was thinking about, we were joking about strat plans and um, I was talking to someone the other day who she was saying that for her business uh, and she's the COO in this, this fairly large business, but she manages the strat plan. She helps develop the strat plan. She says it's rare that they are ever doing what they envisioned they were going to do, you know, one year prior whenever they <laughs> develop a plan. So it's, it's never like this. Um, and something else I was thinking about as you were talking was it's it's pretty incredible the how fast the environment can change in terms of positioning for your business, you know, the ability for your business to compete. You know, obviously coronavirus has been um, so damaging to businesses everywhere. But I remember Simon Sinek put out a video, would have been six months ago, and he said, you know, I'm not I'm not diminishing how awful this virus has been. But this is no different than many other times in our history where things have interrupted uh, our businesses. And thinking about that app story, that's a perfect example of, you know, like you said, in a moment, things can just shift and change. Uh, have you always been someone who you're, you're willing to pivot, you're willing to move on? Because I know some people will, I mean, it's, it's scary to think about changing the plan or... Yeah or doing something different, or I've, already, I've always worked in this sector. I don't know what it looks like to move to a different vertical or what have you. Talk a little bit about, about that for you. Yeah, it goes back to what I talked about earlier, you know, about the only constant in life being change. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, I think it is, if you are resistant to change, 
you are going to struggle more than you need to. I think you're going to struggle as it is because this is not entrepreneur is not a straight you know straight path. It's a winding road. It's curving. Sometimes it comes that, back and you're on the same road again. Of, uh, the graphic of what's like how it how it seems and how it really is, and it's like how it seems and it's the straight line up, and then how it yes. really is, it's like the squiggles. Yeah, all it's all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. I've never. I have never struggled to pivot, you know? So it's like, I'm not married to any one direction. You know, I have a general, you have to have an idea of where you want to go mm. and work your way towards that. But I think you have to be flexible enough to know that, hey, you may be cruising on a straight line for a while, but something at some point, you're gonna hit a curve in that road and you need to be able to adapt to that and manage it. So, you know, again, it just comes back to my mindset is always focused on, hey, change is going to happen. How am I going to use it to my advantage rather than let it sink me? And mm -hmm. so I, just keeping that top of mind has helped me tremendously, you know, and let me move through those things. Is it scary when those things happen? Well, yeah, sure it does. But I also think, too, the, the more planning you have done for contingencies, the easier it is to get through those, you know? So like one of the things that I realized when this pandemic hit, you know, a lot of us went into this, you know, this place of fear. Like, I mean, we've never dealt with this stuff. And when you get into a place of fear, you are never going to make solid business decisions. Fear is not a good place to make good decisions from. And a lot of that fear, right, came from, oh my God, this is going to kill my business. Right. I, how am I going to run my business for the next six months? Right. Frankly, how, most businesses were like, how am I going to run my business for the next month? They didn't have enough operating capital right. to cover a month's worth of business. Well, if you had planned better and set aside more funds and you had a, you know, a safety net where you're like, you know what? I'm good. Okay. I, is, is Could this potentially suck really bad? Yes. But I could make no money for the next six months and still cover every single one of my expenses. I don't need to lay off employees. I have time to figure this out. Think about how much better you would have felt. You st you're still not going to feel great, but you're going to go, <laughs> you know what? I've got time to figure this out. I'm not worried about, oh my God, how am I going to feed my family next month? But it feels like we really struggle with that long-term thinking. Like if you, I mean, think about this. I, I know a lot of people listening are probably thinking, you know, my gosh, I have so many fires to fight on a day-to-day -day basis. And it, it feels like it's hard to transition that line of thinking from the temporary of today. Like here's the problem I need to solve today yeah. to, to this macro. And I think a lot, I think it's because often we're not, you know, if you haven't been in entrepreneurship, you haven't been in business, you're not necessarily trained to do this. I mean, think about a nine to five job. You're most often you're told, Hey, this is your lane. Stay in it. Yeah. I, I was just talking to someone who this, this employee was so jazzed about the business and was thinking about these macro things. And the boss was like, Hey, you know, keep, you know, don't get beyond, you know, your means. And I was thinking like, yeah, but this is someone who is starting to elevate their thinking, yes. which you really want in an employee. You want someone who's going to be thinking about those long-term things. But so as we talk about, you know, positioning and long-term thinking, this feels like something that if we aren't willing to change in our core, 
it ends up biting us in the rear. So a perfect example of this, and this is going to make me sound really smart, but it's, it's literally just coincidence. I was talking to a company back in early March, first week of March on uh, change and being open to remote employees. And so I was, and this was literally like a week before lockdowns happened and total coincidence, but it was, it was out of my own frustration of companies who were saying, well, remote work can never work remote employees. It can never happen. Um, it's not productive. You know, you may have seen the Yahoo former CEO who had eliminated all at home work. Uh, and you know, since then she doesn't work there anymore, but it, it was interesting sharing these thoughts with this company and, and seeing the friction of, I mean, I just don't know if that can happen. And then you get into a situation like coronavirus and not only are they like, how did you know? You know, but, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, I wish, I wish I had developed my thinking here before I got to this moment. And it feels yeah. like, I don't, I don't know if we don't create enough space for ourselves to do that. I don't know if we're just, if we're just, it's hard for us to think that way. But that long-term thinking you're talking about, I feel like is a key, um, it's a key element for success. It is. And, I, you know, I also think, too, that having an open mind, you know, questioning things, it's like, just ask yourself, why? Like, why can we not work remotely? Why is that? Because oftentimes we're, we're just stuck in an old school thinking, you know, because that's the way it's always been done, you know, and, and remote work is a perfect example there are so many businesses that have completely shifted their thought process on remote work. All of the fears that they had about it are, have, they've now realized were completely unfounded. Mm -hmm. You know, so, look, there are people that don't do well with remote work, but there's plenty of people that love it. It gives them flexibility, you know, and, and some freedom and they like it. Well, Dude, having happy employees ha is a good thing. Your employees, need, your team needs to be engaged. And if they're not, they're not going to be doing good work for you. And so I honestly, I coming out of this, there's a lot of companies that are not going to go back, you know, or not full time. You know, they're going to go, hey, well, if you want to work, you can do what you want. If you want to come to the office, cool. If that's where you thrive, great. But if you don't want to and you want to continue to work remote, awesome. Let's do this. Well, you know, it doesn't it, have to happen that way. So it, it feels like companies more than ever also are going to be open. It's funny how slow so many companies have been to um, transition to digital. And whether that's, I mean, think about the old sort of cliche of like the early 2000s of like, well, why would I need a website? You know, or this is a fact, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to now people are thinking about social media. They're thinking about their website. They're thinking about their digital presence. Let's let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in the marketing world. Let's let's give our audience some, some perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we we focus on the marketing fundamentals first. That's really I mean, look, marketing people are a dime a dozen. That is our differentiator. So many people skip the fundamentals either because they don't understand them. They're not sexy. They're not cool. You know, they want to immediately, you know, somebody said, dude, you got to be on TikTok or, you know, you have to have a YouTube, YouTube channel, whatever it is. They want to get tactical immediately. Well, the problem with that is if you do not have the fundamentals down, you're building a house without a foundation. It's mm. never going to work. You know, you can't expect to stand up to the plate and hit a major league fastball until you know how to stand at the plate 
You have to have the fundamentals of good hand-eye coordination. You have to have a good stance. You have to know how you're going to hold the bat. All of those things you have to have in place if you want to have any hope of being able to hit that fastball. Marketing is no different. You know, the, the fundamentals in any discipline don't change. They're the same today as they were 50 years ago, and they're going to be the same 50 years from now. So what are the fundamentals? I call them the marketing strategy trilogy. One, you have to know who your target market is. Two, you have to have great messaging that's clear and engaging for that target market. And three, you have to have a plan. If you do not have those things in place, you're just throwing marketing tactics up against a wall like spaghetti, hoping that it's going to stick. And inevitably, it's not going to work. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've had people say, oh, well, yeah, I, you know, I did, I did social media. It didn't work. Yeah. Or I had a YouTube channel. It didn't work. Most of the time, it's not that it was the wrong tactic. It was the right tactic at the wrong time. Mm. They were putting the cart before the horse. It's like, okay, well, great. You were putting out social media. Who are you trying to reach? I don't you Small business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah. Dude, that is too wide. Mm. It's too wide of a net. You have to narrow that down and you really have to get to a place where you understand your target market better than they do themselves. Well, it feels like part of that is it's in it. I don't want to say this the wrong way, but it feels like a lot of entrepreneurs are the reason that they skip steps is because and it's, it's part of it's not their fault and that you do have marketers yeah. out there who are, you know, oh, yeah, 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 we can get you $10,000 a month or people who open with like the DM of, you know, hey, would it be, would you enjoy getting 10 qualified leads per day? You know, things yeah. like that. And it's like, well, who's going to say <laughs> no to that, right? So part of it's that. The other part of it is, um, you know, I'm always looking for a shortcut rather than am I really going to have to work yes. as hard as I need to? Yeah. And I think about when I first started my business, I had gone through two marketers uh, both, and I'd spent thousands, thousands of dollars, which we talked about like having enough runway to make it. I mean, I had really shortened that runway because money I had saved up, I had just dumped at the start yeah. of the business. But I had, I had spent money on marketers who had said things like, oh, just run Facebook ads. Oh, just run the, oh, just do this, you know, get on social media, just like what you're saying. Well, my, when I was looking for my third marketer, I got into a conversation with a guy who, instead of saying, yeah, let's work together. He said, well, how do you even know like what you have is what people want to buy? And I was like, well, cause it's awesome. He was yeah. like, <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, who, who are your customers? Like literally who are your customers? And it was like the first time that I had, I had had a marketer sort of step back and say, have you thought about these fundamentals like you're talking about and thought about who you're actually selling to and who would buy that? Because otherwise we're just going to waste a lot of money together and it's going to make you pissed off at me, which you know, I don't want, but it feels like we do skip that a lot. And we do miss those steps a lot. Or, or I had a guy, you get a kick out of this who I was asking him, well, who do you sell to? And he said, uh, men and women who use the internet. And I said, <laughs> okay, that's, that's billions of people. I don't, I don't know if that works. And then I had someone else who said, my target customer is anyone, you know, and I was like, okay, that, that's meaningless. So you can't target people that broad. It's just, it's unrealistic, you know, because when you really hone in on who you're trying to reach, it becomes much easier to identify where those people congregate. If I want to, if I want to reach uh, attorneys in Denver, okay, well, 
Are there local attorneys groups in the Denver metro area that I can get in front of? Are they part of, you know, a local attorney's chapter, whatever it may be, it's so much easier to start to identify where they are. And when you can identify where they are, now you know exactly where you need to be to get the, that right message in front of those right people. Well, let me, let me ask you this. How do you, especially in the marketing world, how do you help a business owner who, and, and this is some of the people listening right now, people who in their mind, it's crystal clear. Like they're like, I got it. Like they're listening to your fundamentals. They're like, oh yeah, I got that. Oh yeah, I got that <laughs> for sure. But then when they say it out loud, you on the other side of it, you're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like the person who joked about, or he didn't joke, the person who said um, men and women use the internet. I mean, he said it so confidently. And in his mind, he had answered the question. He'd been like, yeah, I know who I'm targeting. So like, how do you help someone? Or I was talking to, to a, someone last year who I said, well, what do, you, what do you do for a living? And she said, well, I help business owners avoid pigeonholes. And I was like, Okay, that's that's a meaningless statement. I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know what a pigeon. I mean, I know pigeonholing, but I don't know yeah. what it, I don't know what you're literally doing or what you're offering. Or, but in her mind, it was like, yes, this is what I do. Yeah. How do how do how do you bridge that disconnect between someone who is like so confidently um, lost, I guess, but then you're on the other side and you're like, that's that's not what is actually going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so here's where I tell most business owners to start with honing in their target market. Okay. First off, most businesses have one to three ideal client types. Okay. Just because you're going to hone in on one to three ideal client types doesn't mean those are the only people you're going to do business with. It just means those are the only people you're going to focus your marketing efforts towards. Right. And then you can choose who you want to do business with. But I tell people with existing customers or past customers to ask themselves three questions, okay? One, who are your, who are your most profitable customers? You have, you have to make money if you wanna stay in business. Two, who do you enjoy working with? Goes back to what I was talking about with real estate. Man, if you're not enjoying what you're doing and who you're working with, what's the point? Okay, and then three, who do you do your best work for? Who do you get the best results for? Now. The people that you can answer positively for all three of those questions, that's going to be a group. That group is where you start to look for your ideal customer types. Mm -hmm. Once you have that group, then you can start to dig into who are these people? You know, demographics. You know, what are the numbers? Are they a certain age? Are they in certain businesses? Do they have a certain title? You know, or if, if your business is a consumer, you know, do they live in certain areas? Do they live in a certain you know, house from you know, million dollar plus homes, whatever it may be, start to look at the demographics within that group. Then you wanna to start to look at the psychographics within that group. The psychographics to me are just as, if not more important than the demographics. The psychographics are what are their attitudes? What are their thoughts? What are their feelings? What do they want? Those, the psychographics are what get people to buy. When you look at the demographics and the psychographics, pe people will st groups will start to flush out from that. And then you can look at each one of those subgroups and go, yep, okay, there's an ideal client type there. There's another one, there's another one. There's my three ideal client types. And guess what? 
Every single one of those three ideal client types are profitable, you love working with them, and you do great work. So what's gonna happen? When you attract more of those people, you're gonna make more money, you're gonna get more referrals, you're gonna have happy customers. That's, how, that's the best place to start, in my opinion. I love it. I love it. And I love how, how simple you make it sound. And yet, and yet, at the same time, I know that you're talking about real work that we have to do to actually make this happen. Um, Tim, we're unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to give you a couple of seconds to, uh, what, what, for people who are listening, who want to follow up with you, maybe they want, maybe even want to work with you. Um, what does it look like for someone to do that? Uh, how do people stay connected with you in Rialto Marketing? Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, the best place to go is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. If they go to forward slash good dash advice, put some stuff together just for your listeners. There's some free resources there to help with those fundamentals. You know, we started talking about target market. There's some messaging resources there. There's a 90-day plan there to help you get going. If you want to get help on that, if you like what we've talked about, you want to get help, we always start with the free consultation. And from that page, they can just click get a free consult, schedule that. And, you know, on that call, we'll just dig into what you're doing and I'll hope give you some clarity on where to focus your marketing efforts next to get the best return. And if we're a good fit to help you, great. If, if we're not, that's okay too. You know, we can always help point you in the right direction and get you the help that you need. You know, we're not all things to all people. <laughs> Tim, it's been great talking today. Thanks for coming on the episode. Thank you. I appreciate it, Blake. Take care. Yeah. For our listeners, hey, I'm going to put rialtomarketing.com down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put the link to Tim's LinkedIn profile. Be, sh- be sure to connect with him there and connect with him there. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Be sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we are on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, heck, if you want to get your business advertised on the podcast, definitely check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash good advice. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. See ya.